Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Pray, teach us your word. Reveal Jesus to us in the pages of scripture. To the glory of your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 4. First Timothy 1 verse 4. From verse 1. Paul, an apostle. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. By the commandment of God our Savior. And Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. How did he become an apostle? By the commandment. By the commandment. The other times he said, Paul, an apostle, by the will of God. Now he says, by the commandment of God. All right. So, by the, co- <coughs> excuse me, by the commandment of God, unto Timothy, my own son, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from, our, from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. I, as I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge, sorry, thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. <clears throat> the reason why I left you in, um, in Ephesus, I want you to stay in Ephesus, is so that you would charge some that they teach no other doctrine. All right. They charge, charge some that they teach no other doctrine but a certain doctrine. So the doctrines that I have left, the doctrines that I have given you, that is what must be adhered to. Stay in Ephesus so you can keep an eye there so you charge people, don't teach other things. What are some of the other things? Chiefly among the other things is the Judaizers who want to teach about the law. This is what the law is saying. The law is saying is the law because they are so deep in law, in legalism, that when they come into Christ, they import or they import their legalistic tendencies and approach to the things of God into Christ. So it's, it's, I was sharing with the church yesterday in a prayer meeting that the, much of what is called church nowadays, um, there are different types of denominations or brandings. We have the, the Catholic church, which stands by its own. Then we have the Protestants. Now, out of the Protestants, we have the... Um, the um, the, um, what we call the, the, the protesters, we have the evangelicals. 
Okay, and then just the liberals. They are all the, the, the orthodox churches, that is the standard mainstream churches like Methodist, uh, Church of England, Methodist, um, Presbyterian, and all. They are very uh, good churches. All right. They came out of, they decided not to be following the tradition of the Catholic Church. Okay, all right. So let me not go into because some of you, it's too deep into you. you say, ah, see, this is what I don't know. All these churches, they, 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 they attack. No, no, no one attacks any church. You say, just teach them that they teach no other doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what has brought this. Because that, there are some other doctrines. Go, go, put it on the screen. Now, verse 4 says that, uh, uh, um, neither give heed to, to fables and endless genealogies. Some of the translations use myths. Yeah. All kinds of stories. You don't know where it's coming from. And endless myths and endless genealogies. Okay, give me King James back, please. Um, so now that give to fables and endless genealogy. This one gave birth to this and this endless. And I believe that he was talking about these Judaizers from the Old Testament. This, you know, all full of traditions. And what do these genealogies and myths do? They minister questions, but. Genuine teaching is supposed to minister godly edifying which is in faith. So, godly edifying. Now, the reason why I said change from the amplified, can you, can, you, can you give me uh, amplified, please? Take note of the godly edifying. Nor, give, nor, nor to give importance to or occupy themselves with legends, fables, myths, and endless genealogies which foster and promote useless speculations and questionings rather than acceptance in faith of, watch this, watch this, of what? And divine trainings that is in faith. God, let's all say God's administration. That's actually, when it said godly edifying, the word translated edifying in King James, which is rendered God's administration, is the oikodomia. It is the word from which we get the English word economy. Economy. All right. So. The way you should actually read is, give me King James, please. The way you should actually read is, rather than godly, uh, or God's economy. So the teaching in church is more supposed to bring to bear and to light the economy of God. Does that make sense? The economy of God. Economy. Oikonomia. I, I, I spoke about it a few. I, I want to talk about the economy of God, but it doesn't look like time will permit me. But let me attempt something, okay? The economy, uh, 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 the Greek word for economy is oikonomia. Um, In fact, actually, when you check the uh, Wikipedia, and you go down, uh, the, that word economy it tells you it's made it's from the Greek, made up of two words. Oikos and nomos. Oikos meaning um, household or house. And nomos meaning law. 
I tried to get it because I said, oh, this is an interesting reading. From the, the definition, the origin is Greek, the oikos and um, oikos and nemein, nemein, that's the Greek word, which is actually no, nomos, we get nomos from oikonomaya, which is how, oikos is house, no, um, nomain is manage or law. How many of you have heard the, the word nomos? Nomos. <laughs> No more say, I think, Deuteronomy has to do with no more. No more is law. Okay, so antinomianism is lawlessness without law. And so no more normally represents law. And so Deuteronomy is Deuteronomus, second law. Deuteronomy is second, the giving of the second law. So no more, and when we talk about social norms, they are all, is it norm, norms, norm, social law, standards. All right, so oikos and normos, oikonomia has to do with the household management, household law, household organization. It's very important for you to understand this, very, very, very important. So, um, the, the, when it says that God's economy, or God's household law. What, what, what exactly does he mean by economy? In fact, I was trying to look for, yeah, I was trying to look for the meaning of economy. I just said, since I'm talking about this, let me, I just, and um, it was, the dictionary gave me some interesting uh, meanings. But actually, the nomos is here. I just found the nomos, which is law or custom. All right, no must mean custom. Oh, <clears throat> the dictionary definition of um, economy, amongst the others, is careful management of available resources. What's economy? The careful management of available resources. So you must have economy in your house. Household economy. You can't go and buy that flat screen TV because your wife says that, you know, we can't afford it. So you have to manage it well so that the children can have their shoes. Because children tend to have many shoes as they grow. Usually wives tend to know that faster than husbands. <laughs> if you have a wife who doesn't notice those things, it's very it's a concern. <laughs> <laughs> Children go very fast. Sometimes between the age of two and four or two and five, a lot has changed. They have several clothes, several shoes. And you bought a shoe for your child when he was three, and two years later you say, I bought him a shoe. It has changed. <laughs> Get ready to buy another winter coat next year. Yeah. Or oh, this year, actually. Because last year's own will be too small now. So, management of the, the careful management of available resources. That is economy. 
So when we say someone is an economist, he's, be, he's supposed to be able to look at the available resources and manage it, okay, this can go here, this can go here, so that everything stays in a good balance. That's what an, that's what an economist is supposed to do. So it's the, economy is not so, much, it's not so much about how much money you have, but as to the management of the money that is available for everything. So when we talk about God's economy, God's household economy, in some translations, it is, tra- it is rendered God's administration. Like we saw, I think we saw in the Amplifier, isn't it? Yes, God's administration. You, it, it's very interesting for you to know what this God's administration is. Now, there are times, there are quite a few places that the, the Bible has used the word economy and it has been rendered slightly differently. So, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 1, let's do some quick, quick, quick run through the scriptures on economy, then probably I see where I can end and continue. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. All right, I'll show you where economy appears again. That is, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both in heaven and uh, which are on earth, even in him. Now, this word, dispensation, dispensation is also another word. Give us, uh, amplify, let's see how I push it. Is it amplify? He planned for the maturity, for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages to unify all things, um, all things and head them up and consummate them in Christ. Now, this is, see, when we talk about the economy of God, it has to do with his plan. God's household management plan. The plan is, it's, it's, over a certain period of time, okay? And then in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2. You see that word has appeared again? That, that word, dispensation. All right, let's all read from the screen. Let's go. One more time. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God given to me. Dispensation of the grace of God. See, I was having a chat with my pastor friend and I was so stirred up on the phone and I quoted the scripture. He laughed. He said, wow, this is powerful. He said, you are the ones who see the scriptures others don't see. <laughs> That's very funny. You know, there are some scriptures when you read, just move on from there. You understand scripture. Sometimes you just read in the Bible, you just take it and just move off like that. And so you don't really notice it too much because it's kind of... This is one of it. When you are reading, can you imagine you are reading your Bible and you are using King James? If you have heard of this dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, to you what? You have to move on. <laughs> you have to move on. Because you don't see where it says that, I mean, stopping the works of the enemy and this dispensation of the grace of God, you move on. How does the NIV put it? Surely you have heard of the, ah, I see that word administration. 
dispensation has been rendered. Administration of God's grace that was given to me. Administration of God's grace. Dispensation, Joanna, dispensation of God's grace. So administration of God's grace, dispensation of God's grace. Same. Administration, dispensation. Um, can we use a different translation? How does the Good. The still worship. Let's all shout still worship. Shout it again. One more time. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. Ah. So the, the one in bracket is referring to the grace. This is a merited, a merited favor. The stewardship of God's grace, the dispensation of God's grace, the administration of God's grace, and all that were stewardship, administration, dispensation is the same Greek word, economia, economy, God's economy. So after listening to the meaning of economy, it sounds to me like similarly, similarly maybe the, the stewardship, the effective management and distribution of God's grace. What's God's grace? The wealth of God, the richness of God in our midst. God's plan from eternity past. That's where this whole thing is going. God has always has had has always had a plan. That is why He says that. Teach them, uh, warn them not to teach other things apart from the economy of God. Yeah. Why don't we know about the economy of God? Okay. You 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 can't be a Christian and not know about God's economy. Mm. You must know. Why are you a Christian? Why did God? You didn't come because you chose to come. God brought you in. What did He bring you in? For what reason? What is his plan? What? God has a plan. It has been planned out, laid out already. You, just, you are just a little bit of part, of part of it somewhere. So when you come in, you have to find out what is this whole plan of God about. That's the economy of God. And he says that if you have heard, watch this, this is a very interesting point. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, from verse 1. I, Paul, the prisoner of, I, uh, this, for this cause, I, uh, I Paul, for this cause, I Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, to, the, to you Gentiles. Then he goes on. If you have heard of the dispensation of God's grace. Let's all say dispensation of God's grace. Dispensation of God's grace. Say it again. Dispensation of God's grace. What's the meaning of dispensation? <coughs> Distribution. Dispensing. Ah. The grace of God is, is, is dispensable. Is distribution. Think about it. The grace of God, the dispensation of God's grace. The, the other word, dispensation, then the other word, the sti- before we go to the sea worship, the other one, administration. Administration, how it's been administered. Administration of what? God's grace? Ah, so God actually dispenses his grace. But remember, economy, the house, so that Careful management of available resources. Careful management of the available grace on the house. Some people, it must go, okay, you must receive this level. This you must receive this. Okay, looking at your background and the work you are doing and your heart for God, okay, it allows, okay, this. And it's interesting. Ah, the administration of God's grace, which was given to who? For you. When you, when you jump on the plane, the air hostess comes, or the flight attendants come, and they bring food. 
They are not doing you a favor. At all. If you come from certain parts of the world, you, sit, you think they are doing you a favor. <laughs> but they are, not, <laughs> they are not doing you a favor. They are just stewards. Yes. What are they called? Stewards. Eh. Uh, ah. ST, what's, this, what's a, a, an ST was supposed to do? Dispense. Do what? Dispense. So it's, you can call it, they have been given stewardship for the dispense, and their job is for dispensation of your food on the flight. But me, my job is dispensation of the grace. Dispensation of grace given to me, not for me to keep. No, for you. Yes, yes. So if you don't come, you have got your grace. You have to come for it. I've got your grace. 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 Don't wait for emergency before you start coming. No, the GP is there. Don't let this pain develop into a cancer that you are being rushed to hospital or coma. No, you should have gone to the GP a long time ago when you started feeling that issue. Because the GP is there. The government have put the GP there for you. Even if you are on benefits and you need medication, you go to the pharmacy or dispensary, they'll give you something. He said, so when you go on the plane, the food they give you, or depending on what kind of train you are traveling in first class, Eurostar, first class, they bring you food. They serve you some, sometimes snacks. I went to, when I went to Scotland, they brought snacks. They didn't bring food. I was very disappointed ah. <laughs> on the train, on the train. So, so they, they, they are stewards. Right. Who am I? A steward. Do you know that if you assault a steward on the flight, it's not they who defend themselves. The airline will, will see you. If a steward is not behaving well, it, you can't discipline a steward. You can't discipline somebody's employee. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Why are you busy trying to butcher a pastor? Did you call him? Did you call him? Don't you, because his boss will not take it lightly. No, no, no. Because they said, in fact, you go to some place, I think, normally where you, took, you take tickets and uh, they, are, they, they always put a notice there. Any assault against our staff at the train stations, we will prosecute anyone who assaults any of, either verbally or physically, who prosecute you heavily. Who, not the staff, the company that employed him. Because he's at the ticketing booth just to dispense tickets. The ticket's not for him. But he's doing a job, it's management. It's called oikonomia. Said, if you have heard about the dispensation of the grace of God that was given to me for you. So when you guys when go, I don't know how many of you have been on um, Dole before. 
Is it called? Benefit, sorry. Benefit. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. forgive me. Benefit. You know, do you go to the Prime Minister to go and collect it? No, 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 no. <laughs> or the, the uh, 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 Chancellor of the Exchequer? Do you go to? Works and, works, and works, and oh, works and pensions minister to go and collect it. No, where, where do you go and collect it from? <laughs> you go to designated agents. So if, you know, sometimes when you go to the hospital for a scan or a checkup or a blood test or something, the hospital, they tell you that we will send the result to who? Your GP. Because he's the one, a repre the health representative, health official assigned to your care. Yeah. Yeah. They don't deal with you. They deal with your GP, and your GP deals with you. Some of the uh, references, you must be referred by your GP. Mm. Yeah. You keep fighting with him. You understand what I'm saying? So, spiritually, when God has grace to dispense to you, he doesn't bring it directly to you. Mm. Wow. Wow. You always will need a divine agent. Yeah. You do. That's why Jesus said, I wanted to gather your family, your children, your household, but you stoned the prophets and those who are sent to you. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. He said, you, you, you kill the prophets, Matthew 23, 37. said, you kill the prophets who are sent to you, 37, 38, 39. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killed the prophet and stones them which are sent unto thee. How I often would, how, how, I often, hey, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as the hen gathered the chickens under her wings? And you will not. Why? Because you are killing the prophets I'm going to use. You are, he said, you kill, you stone the ones that are sent to you. They didn't come in their name, but they were sent. You stone them. So uh, look, at the, look at the next verse. That's very scary. Let's all read it out together. This is serious. How does the Amplified put this one? This is serious. Behold, your house is forsaken and desolate, abandoned and left destitute of God's help. Why? Because you stone the one God sent to, to bring the... God is it's not a personal. God is going to use them to bring your help. Can you imagine, say, a certain man was going to... One day he's traveling to Damascus. He was traveling to Damascus to go and kill people or arrest people. And God appeared to him. Don't kill the disciples. Don't, don't frustrate them. God appeared to him. And he said, who are you? I said, I'm Jesus. You are fighting me. He said, oh, no, please. Please, what do you want me to do? He said, you want me to tell you? Go to the masters. They will tell you what to do. Go to church. I've got authorized dealers. They will tell you. Listen. No, no. Alan, God. It's in Acts chapter 9. Listen, God himself appeared to him, Jesus. Hey, who are you? Acts chapter 9 from verse 5. And he fell on the floor. And then he said, oh God, he said, why do you persecute? Go to 9 verse 5. Verse 5. And he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus. Who you are persecuting? You see what you are doing is bad. You can't kick against me. Okay. Then he said, what do you want me? Verse 6. He said, hey, trembling. So he said, Lord, what, do you, what, what would you have me to do? What did he say? Arise. 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 Go into the city. And it shall be told thee what to do. But you should tell me now. No, I've got people there. 
I've got angels there. So when he got there, verse 11, Bible said that God came to a, a prophet, one of the disciples, you know, a prophet, disciple, verse 11. And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. He said unto him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am. He said, go, go to the street called Straight. The Lord said, go to the street called Straight, which is called Straight, and inquire of a man called Saul. He's there, he's praying. Go and pray for him. So when he went, when he got into the house, look at verse 16. When he got into the house, verse 16, when he got into the house, he said, uh, 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 no, go to the verse 15, sorry. He said, but the Lord said unto him, go for our show, okay, go to verse 17 then. And then Ananias went his way and entered into the house and put his hands on brother Saul, his, his hands on him, said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, Jesus who, you see, the Lord Jesus who appeared and that appeared unto thee in the way as you were coming, as thou cometh, has sent me that thou may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He should have given you your sight himself. He should have made you feel the Holy Ghost himself. He said, God doesn't work like that. He works with authorized agents. I don't know how many of you have called. I don't know how many of you have tried to call, call uh, 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 manufacturers before. Most manufacturers, unless I'm, I don't know how Africa operates, but here, no, because of church, we buy a lot of things. Manufacturers don't deal with you. You see their website, everything is displayed. They don't display prices. Yeah. They don't, de- and then that's the top, top, and they don't, the cheap, and if they display prices, you call them, they will tell, or some of them, even Apple, some of them, okay, Apple down, they have a retailers. They are a retail branch, so retail section. But they, they, will, they will show you where you can, which shops you can go for. They will show you which are the authorized dealers. If you go to Mercedes-Benz, their showroom, you can't buy the car from their showroom. You have to, no, sorry, on their website, you have to go to an authorized dealer or the website of authorized dealers. So go to, he's he's like a manufacturer. And he only deals with agents. His agents will deal with you. Wow. Some of you are living in homes. You, You don't know who the landlord is. Because it's being managed by estate agents. Yes. You don't need to know the landlord. As long as the agent is effective and you comply with the agents, you will live peacefully. <laughs> May it suffice for me to announce to you that we are authorized dealers of the divine mandate. <laughs> and what do we dispense? Grace. Look at chapter 3, verse 9 of Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 9, Ephesians. You will not miss your grace. That's why I don't see why you should suffer unnecessary mishaps when you have a pastor. Okay, let me, some people have a pastor, but they are not being pastored. Some people go to church like the way they will go to the supermarket, thinking they are doing the church a favor. No. GPs never beg you to come. You will know when to go. <laughs> All right. Um, what did I quote? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. Okay. What does it say? Let's all read from the screen. Let's go. Has been hidden God and all that. All right. So he said, when you look, look at verse 8, just to make it 
a bit more understandable. Verse 8 said, unto me, okay, this is Paul talking, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace, ah, grace given, that I should preach among the, you preach by grace, oh? Yes. You preach by grace. Don't tell me I'm a very good speaker, so I can preach. You kill people. Is it? <laughs> that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Not unreachable searches, unsearchable riches of Christ. But watch this, what am I preaching? The unsearchable riches of Christ. You can't exhaust it, it's deep. These are the things that I'm, I'm, I've been giving grace to preach. Now go to the next verse. And this is his manifesto. His assignment in life, wow. to preach the people and to make all men see the fellowship of the mystery. What is this fellowship of the mystery? Amplified. And to enlighten all men and make plain to them what is the plan. Say plan. Plan. Fellowship of the mystery, you call it plan. Regarding the Gentiles, uh, uh, regarding the Gentiles and providing for the salvation of all men, of the mystery. So instead of using fellowship, here is use the plan. NIV. And to make and to make make, sorry and to make plain to every man the administration of this mystery. The plan, fellowship, administration. Okay, very interesting word. Uh, is it uh, New King James? Does it use the same word? Let's see New King James. Uh, what is the, okay, so New King James uses the same word. Uh, uh, New America, do you have New American Standard Version? The, okay, so the New American Standard Version uses the dispensation of the mystery. Is it not the same dispensation? That word is the same as the eco- economy, or economia. The Okoyomaya can be, can be translated fellowship, can be translated stewardship, uh-huh. administration, and then what? Dispensation. Let's try it again. It can be uh, uh, translated what? Uh, stewardship, uh-huh. administration, dispensation, and what? And fellowship. Okay. S A D F. S, stewardship, administration, dispensation, fellowship. Stewardship, administration, dispensation, fellowship. It's all the economy. And actually, what, when we say that, the economy, when we say that it's left one fellowship, when we say that, um, when we talk about God's economy, it's actually God's, watch this, God's household administration. So what does that mean? (sighs) I'm going to tell you what the plan is, okay? Because God has a plan. What is this plan? You think it's to make you get a husband? Oh, no. No, that's not the plan of God. It's all covered under the plan. But that's not the plan of God. What's the plan of God? For you to get some money in your account? No, that's not the plan of God. It's called the eternal plan of God. He planned it before you were born. He planned it before you were born. That's what the economy of, we have to find out what is this God's economy? What is God's economy? And it's called the household economy. 
household. I, I'm losing a lot of people. People have started sleeping on me now. Pastor, what Sunday morning? Look at this. What's going on? Economy. 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 Still worship. What is this? It's, it's, it means, when we talk about God's economy, we mean God's household law. God's household administration. I like this other word, household management. Um, I think so long as I'm concerned, to the best of my knowledge, and Justin has quite a sizable family, am I right? Um, seven plus one, six, yeah and then your husband, seven, and yourself, eight. So it's a large house, and they are not children. So you can imagine when it's time to go to church, bathroom management. So no, in, in a house like that, even your house with four people, everything must be planned well. When my wife is cooking, if I like a lot, let's say I like a lot of hot sauce, and one of my children doesn't like it, my, my wife must factor that. So when we buy a lot of sauce, the food, you have to do it such a way that you can separate some before you add some, you know, and all that. That's that management. How, so that everyone will eat and feel, ah. Effective management of a household. Now when we talk about household here, we are not talking about a small flat. When we talk about a household in those days, like a Buckingham Palace, large houses which have all kinds of servants, all kinds of stewards, and all that. And the master who oversees everything makes provision, and the stewards make sure that these ones are getting their own, the horses are eating, the dogs are eating, the gardener is eating, or is getting the tools for the gardening. Everything is being managed well, and the house keeps flowing, everything goes well. Now, that is what we call a household management. How many of you know that God has got a house? Household. God's household administration. God's household plan. Household management. And then household government. Actually, that's what our government is supposed to do. Making sure, manage. That's why the, the... one in charge of the finance is such an important person in every nation. Must work directly, closely, closely with the, the senior most person. If the president or the prime minister, the one who manages the economy, must work closely with him. So most elections are about economy. Because that's why you vote, because how can this thing benefit me? How can the household management, national, the management of the national wealth, how can it make sure that I'm getting a good job, I'm eating well, I'm driving a nice car, my children's school are fine, my health issues are covered? That is what voting usually tends to be about. So all this, uh, uh, there are too many immigrants coming. Why are people making noise? Because it's going to affect the resources. So we need an effective economic system to handle, manage the resources very well. And we need someone who will be at the borders to say, no, we don't have too much space for people like you because it's coming to put strain on our resources. That's what actually the voting is about. 
The one who makes sure that there is food on your table and there's money in your pocket. So all if an effective politician will make sure that he appeals to your pocket. Yeah. Appeal to your, uh, your, your, your standard of living. Appeal, that's why they always talk about jobs. A lot of you are creating jobs. You are creating and uh, building more homes. For who for? The managing of the wealth for the people. God has a household. The reason why, hey, now I'm getting into the thing. The reason why God called you and I is that he has, he's always had an eternal desire. Eternal desire which is, which plays out based on his eternal economy. What is his eternal desire? God from eternity has desired to have a house. For that reason, economy. And so there was a young man, young man, young man in the Bible. Jesus, I feel like preaching. It's a young, there was a young man in the Bible who believed God for blessing. Every time you meet him, he said, have you got blessing for me? No blessing. Have you got blessing? What opportunity have you got? He's, he's a blessing opportunist. <laughs> He's a, he's a grandson of Abraham. He loved blessing. He told his brother, let's do deal so I can get the blessing that comes to you as a child, as a first child, so I can get the blessing. The brother said, no problem. He can't. So his mother, when he was, his father was about to die to pass, out the, pass on the blessing, his, with, the, with, the, with his mother, they connived. The mother helped him to go and steal the blessing. The one who blessed you, and it works, Guess what? He could have cursed you too, and it works. So he risked being cursed just to get a blessing, and it worked for him. Because God has always responded to people who have a desire for him. So if you have a desire for him, even if you make a mistake in your pursuit of him, God will blind He doesn't look at the mistake. Doesn't cause, he, he rewards your pursuit of him. If you are going to church, going to church, going to church so much that you made a mistake and lost your job because there was a time you actually your boss was waiting for you and the traffic, we were coming from church, the traffic was bad and because of church, church, you lost your job. It doesn't matter. That was maybe, or you made a certain mistake, you took a wrong turning. But guess what? Your God will react to your pursuit. Amen. Will react to your pursuit. Maybe see, as you grow, you become wiser. As you grow, you become wiser. So certain things that didn't get done, responsibilities that were abdicated or shaked because of your pursuit of God, as you grow, you realize, oh, maybe I should have done that. I should have maybe helped my children with their homework a bit more. I should have done that. And later on, you realize these things. However, because of your pursuit of God, the mistake will not correct itself. But God has a way of blessing you because of the pursuit so much that the mistake can be dwarfed by the blessing. If it is a genuine, not a stubborn mistake, but a genuine mistake out of a genuine pursuit. So I better do, I better make mistakes pursuing God than not make mistakes not pursuing God. If the reason why you are breaking up with your boyfriend is because you really want to pursue God and you didn't know he was going to become the next president or prime minister, listen. It is okay. It is okay. God has a way of rewarding you that after he has become, after his presidency and he's left, suddenly all your children 
two of your children will become top, top, top government ministers. You have a wonderful marriage. At the time, his kidney issues are failing. Your husband is breaking through. Everything is fine with you. You won't see that you missed an opportunity. Because you left that opportunity because of your pursuit of God. So Jacob loved the blessing so much, he would do everything for the blessing. Say Jacob. Jacob. And once upon a time, he went and, and stole the blessing, as it were. He went and he tricked his father. He said, bless me, daddy, bless me, bless me, bless me. I'm, I'm Esau, Esau. And he, the father ate the food. He gave his father the food that he liked. Had it not been for the food, he wouldn't have gotten the blessing. But there is something about some... A, a blessing career, grace careers, heart being pleased. Yeah. When someone who carries grace, heart is touched, it's good for you. For you. That's why Jesus said, if you give a cup of water to a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Mm. You don't need the prophet to pray for you to get his reward. Mm. Honor the prophet, the reward will find you. Oh. <laughs> so, so, he gave his father the he gave his father the meal, and his father ate the meal. He said, bring me food to eat, such as I love. Uh, yesterday, I read the scripture in Hebrews chapter, Hebrew chapter 13, verse 17. It, listen, this is a very true. He said, obey the people, just Bible talking, okay, yeah, about church people. He said, obey those who have rule over you, and be submissive to them. When you come to church, no one can tell you what to do. You are aborting this mention of grace towards you. Wow. Said, obey those who are rule over you and be submissive. Submissive. Why? For they watch over your hey, human beings. Yeah. God said they watch over your souls as those who must give account. Watch this. Let them do so with how? How? Please. It is a blessing for you if your pastor is happy to pastor you. It's just a blessing. If your pastor feels always careful about you, afraid of you, and you are a, a trouble causer for him. Bible says that let them do so with joy and not with grief. Don't let your pastor feel very hurt, sorrowful about you. I say, oh, this guy, is that what he did? I was trying to advise him, is that what he's going to say about me? Why is that? Don't let, oh, put it on the screen, please, not me. Let him do it with joy, not with grief. Why? That will not be, uh, that will be unprofitable for you. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Oh, I don't believe. So why are you in church anyway then? Yeah. If you don't believe what the scriptures say, you're wasting your time in church. It's too clear and obvious. In our, in our stubborn, stubborn, human beings are naturally stubborn. Yes. Because psych, psychologists, or, uh, psychologists uh, uh, will tell you that the, the, some of the early language of children is, no, two years old, no, no, no. It's a reflection of stubbornness. No, no, no. Johnny, sit down. No, no. I thank God my children didn't go that line too much. Hey, what's nonsense? Who told you to? It's not normal to be just, no. And some of the parents, they like it so much. Oh, look at Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, sit down. No! 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 <laughs> I train. Help the child not grow in rebellion. God, the reason why people end up in prison is one, this is one of the reasons. The reason why people can't stay married is rebellion. 
The husband can't be submissive to the wife. The wife can't. Yesterday I said, some people want to be wives, but you don't have any element of submission in you. It's not a wife. You want to be a partner. The definition of a wife is someone who can be submissive. Thank you. All you know is makeup and do up. Hey. Hairstyles, all kinds of stuff. Huh? Yes. yes, yeah. And then you, you, you like uh, Michelle Obama, women empowerment, career advancement. Yes, freedom. You, you, you can't even be a wife. <laughs> All right, before I lose some feminists, let's, 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 let's. <laughs> so, 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 time is up. Um, um, so he said, do it so that they do it in joy. So if the man of God has joy in his heart and begin to bless you. There are some people in the church, when I see them, my heart is pleased. Many of you here. Amen. Some, some are average. I just look at them. Hello, how are you? It's nice to see you. Praise God, praise God. I just, if somebody asks me, what are some of your problems? It's true. It's true. All right, so watch this. So, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob gave the food and he was blessed. And his brother said, hey, you trick me and got my blessing, I'm gonna kill you. The mother said, run out of home. Go to my uncle, my brother, he's called Laban. Travel, go. So on his way, he was going. There's Jenny, as he was going. One day he was so tired. On his way, going. He was so tired and it's night, so he had to sleep. So he found a stone, say a stone. Saw so a stone and um, he used it as a pillow. What was what, pillow supposed to signify? Rest. Rest. Remember, uh, he said, Come unto me, all ye. Remember. Jesus, first of all, starts at your, at your rest. So he used the pillow as his rest. He was resting. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 20. He was resting. Say, resting. Sleeping. And then, and then, and then, and then he had a dream. Who are we talking about? What was very unique about Jacob? What? He desired the blessing so much. That's his uniqueness. And so he had a dream. Let's start from, uh, okay, let's go. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. Whose top reached the heavens, and, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on the ladder. What kind of dream is this? Is that all a dream? Go back, go, go on, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood, the Lord stood, stood above it and said, The Lord was standing at the, at the top of the ladder and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Go to the next verse. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall, you shall, you, you, you shall spread abroad to the west and to, to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I just think this person is talking about the God. Lord is talking about blessing. And what, this is a dream. Say a dream. dream. Go to the next verse. 
Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So what happened? Verse 16, he woke up. He woke up. Then Jacob woke up from, from his sleep. Tell someone, wake up from your sleep. Because the revival is already started. <laughs> then, watch this. Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely, surely, sorry, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. Hey, this place I slept. God is here. It was such an encounter, life changing encounter. This guy, this guy had a vision. He said, God is here. And I did not know it. So, what was what, 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 what he supposed to do? Look at what he did. Then, then and he, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place where I laid my head? This is none other but house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Watch this. Watch this. I have my time. He said, the house of God. And, but he, didn't, he never lived in a house. I told you some time ago. He never lived in a house. His father never lived in a house. His grandfather never lived in a house. And they only lived in tents. Why didn't he visit the tent of God? And then number two, what makes him think God has got a house? Because, think about it. Would you ever say the house of a cloud? Cloud has not got a house. Cloud is there. So why would you say this is a house of something that is, is intangible? Joe, are you getting it? Something that is intangible. Something that is ethereal. House of God where did he get this concept of house from? And then where did he get the concept that God must somewhere have a house? Did I tell you the economy of God? Didn't I tell you God's interest? Didn't I tell you God's interest from Genesis from the beginning was to have a house? This guy, because of his heart disposition, when he woke up, it wasn't, he was dreaming, but when he woke up, he had a revelation that this is a house. It's a house of God. Must God have, Abraham, I bet you Abraham never knew about God's house. Isaac never knew about God's house. But Jacob got to know. Abraham never pursued the blessing. The blessing came to him. Abraham, the blessing came to him. And guess what? We never saw in the Bible Abraham blessing anybody. Isaac never pursued the blessing. It came to him. And I, we only saw him blessing once in the Bible, and that one even blessed wrongly. Blessed the wrong person. But Jacob, Jacob, read the last passages of his life. He actually blessed Pharaoh. He blessed the world. He said, in you shall all the earth be blessed. He blessed people. And then his 12 sons, his, when he met Joseph's children, he blessed them, Ephraim and Manasseh. And then his 12 sons, before he died, he said, I can't die because I am, I'm a blesser. I bless people. I can't die. I can't die. The Bible says he strengthened himself. Genesis chapter uh, 48 or 49. Yeah. He strengthened himself. 48. He strengthened himself. And he sat down. And he called his sons. He said, come and let me tell you what's happening. And he spoke a blessing upon their lives. Jacob. Now watch, watch this. Jacob had a dream. And he saw an interaction going on. Then he woke up and he decides by revelation that this is the house of God. Now, if you were God, wouldn't that cut so deep into your heart? Because, Minister Johnson, one of the main reasons for creation is that God has always wanted a house. That is what is called, remember, God's 
household. He wants a house through which... Uh, so what, what does the house of God consist? I'll show you in a minute. Are you interested in knowing? Yes. But can we, can we finish this man's text? Then I can show you. Because my ta- but I, I just want to draw your attention to... You at least have to know, have an idea about God's plan, God's intention, then we can develop it later. Now, look at it. The same text. Verse 18. And look at what he did. Verse 18. Then Jacob arose early in the morning and took the, took the stone he had put at, uh, at his head, set it up as a pillar instead of a pillow. Now he said, you are not going to be a pillow. You are a pillar. Wow. Definitely, there must be pillars in God's household. Yes. May God make you one of those pillars. Because... Because in 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 21, the Bible talks about the pillars in God's house. Okay. I think it talks about two pillars. Then that's the, te- the temple Solomon built. And he set up two pillars by the uh, ve- uh, 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 vestibule of the temple. Let's leave that. We'll call. He set up two pillars. But how about, I saw something in, Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. That's very interesting. Look at this text. Look at Galatians chapter. Let's all read it. Galatians 2, 9. Let's go. 2, 2, two 9. Yes, let's go. And Cephas and John. James, Cephas, and John. They are actually pillars in the body of Christ. Oh, so God actually has intention of pillars. Maybe one day I will show you the significance of pillars. The pillars. But, but, but let, let's God move on because of my time. He, the, the, the pillow, his pillow, the stone is used as a pillow, he turned into a pillar. And then when he turned into a pillar, Genesis chapter 12, verse 17, so 28 verse 17 said, and he was afraid, he said, he turned a pillar and poured oil on top of the stone. Ooh, oil, stone and oil. I've, I've told you already, the Holy Ghost must come on the stone. But I want to show you something. Go up, go for it, go for it, go for it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city had been last previously. You know what Bethel means? The house of God. He called the name, this is the house of God. Do you see Jacob? He has established a place on earth as the house of God. Abraham couldn't do it. Nobody in history. This guy went straight into the heart of God because God's program for creating human beings was to make a house. You read the Bible. See how the revelation, the Bible ended. He said that the tabernacle of God, Revelation chapter 21 verse 3, said, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Watch this. This is how it's ending, though. He said, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and he himself will be with them and be their God. The mingling, he, so he, he, oh, man. God has always had a house in mind. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And then I'll move on from there. And I think I have to just end. Because some of you are too hungry. When you are fasting, that's what you get anyway. Have you seen it? What did I say? 1 Timothy chapter 1, 3, 15. Is it okay if you read it out loud? Yes. Is everybody ready to read it? Yes. 
please do me a favor. Can we read it? Please listen. He said, obey those who have rule over you, okay? <laughs> Let them do it with joy. So let's read it, okay? Let's go loud. No, 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 no. It's not loud enough. It's not loud. Let's go. Let's start again. But. Okay, it's okay. He said, so that you know how to do what? Conduct. Where? In the, the house, house of. God. And he said, what's the house of God? The church. Of the living God. So from Genesis, God's target has been the church. Yes. Mm. And it's the pillar and the ground of truth. That's another, another thing I'll talk about another time. So when Jacob eh, said, this is the house of God. He keyed into something no man has ever seen. No wonder, can I tell you something? No wonder the entirety of the Old Testament was all about the prophecies he gave. Everything, the activities, the history of the Old Testament was what Jacob spoke about before he died. After him, God didn't have, need to have God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and God of somebody. It didn't matter anymore. Wow. Jacob, he's found Jacob. So, uh, greater part of the, of the book of Genesis was dedicated to Jacob. Yeah. Wow. Abraham had a few chapters, quite a significant, about 12 chapters. Isaac, he had two chapters because he didn't do much. <laughs> but he was a son, so that's why he just. But Jacob had the rest about him and his sons. Yes. And no one, has, no one ever suffered like Jacob. Yes. Tomorrow, God willing, I will talk about the death of Rachel and the birth of Benjamin or Benoni, depending on where you stand. <laughs> Jacob went through a lot. His only daughter was raped. His beloved wife, he, 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 he worked for 14 years to get a wife. Can you imagine? He could have, he could have been deported within that time. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you, after three years of being UK, you got a wife and now regular, right? Uh, sorry. <laughs> he worked for 14 years for a wife. And then the wife he loved was not having children. And then what, is not, what was even worse is his, his older wife, which was Leah. His son, called Simeon, the first son, went and slept with... No, no, so, so Simeon who went and slept with the uh, second son, went and slept with his other wife, his concubine. Rachel's concubine who produced children for him. Reuben went and slept with them. What, what has this man done? And he himself, it's, some of you don't know this in the Bible, but may I tell you, it will fancy your interest. <laughs> sorry, interest your fancy, sorry. <laughs> Whichever way, some fancy somewhere, interest is somewhere. <laughs> Listen, I'm interested in this. Yes, 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 yes. Do you know that Jacob went and slept with one of his daughters-in-laws? Uh, I don't know. Genesis 30, he was trapped. Yeah, he was trapped. The veil. They used veil against the man. He slept with women he didn't see, whose face he didn't see. That's why sometimes this internet dating can be dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I don't know how tall he is. 
my, uh, it's part, not part of my preaching. I don't want to tell you the story behind it. How he was, he was trapped to sleep with the woman. He thought it was prostitute. Yes. So he was just going for uh, pleasure. And so he went for pleasure. And the woman, you see, a woman can choose to conceive. Yes, yes. A can choose when she will conceive. She will. So she conceived. And later on, it came up that your daughter-in-law has going to commit her order. So, but when he went into her, she, he left his staff and some, the woman said, give it to me, your signal ring, and then took it. So she, he didn't know, he left and went. So when they say you're giving birth, you've gone to conceive, hey, hey, he said, the one who this thing belongs to is the one who did it. <laughs> oh, daddy, daddy. <laughs> oh, no, take it off, let people go and read it for themselves. It's in the Bible. Jacob, why must he go through all this? His be- be- beloved son was taken away into slavery. He thought he was dead. And then the last one he loved most was also taken away. Oh, that man was. But God was breaking from stage to stage. God was breaking. By the time that chapter was ending, he was such a tamed man. He, when he met Pharaoh, the first thing he did was blessing him. <laughs> <laughs> Because when he sees you, he's thinking on how to outsmart you. But God broke him. So much of the uh, Genesis was about Jacob and his family. Because the man was so significant in the plan of God. Then there's a young man also who shows up somewhere in their bloodline called David. He was prosperous. He sat down. He told the prophet, prophet, come. My house is nice. I live in a posh house. I want to build God a house. Take care Samuel chapter 7, verse 14. He touched on something. He touched on it. He said, I want to build God a house. The prophet said, Prophet Nathan said, do what is in your heart. But when he went, God came to Nathan. He said, tell him, it's not for him to build me a house. But because he has decided to build me a house, he said, me too, I'll build him a house. Because when you make Bethel your target, Prospered so much, he forgot the house of God. He was prospering. And he got to a place called Shechem. Genesis chapter 33. And he, he bought a land. He, he built an altar. But I dare you, Genesis 33, verse 18, that was, I dare you. He couldn't, he called the, he called the altar El Elohe Israel. Why didn't he call it? Look at chapter 35, verse 7. Chapter 35, verse 7, when he went to, chapter 35, verse 7, when he went to Bethel and he built an altar there and called it El Bethel. Where was that? In Bethel. When you are building an altar in Shechem, why didn't you have the audacity to call it El Shechem? <laughs> he couldn't do that. We call God who back it. So he just called it the God of, the God of Israel. But when he got to Bethel, then God came to him in Genesis chapter 35, verse 1. He said, get up, arise, you and everybody. Move to Bethel and go and build me an altar there. Bethel. If not, that's why he said, ah, yeah. Mm. That's why he said, for God is not unrighteous. To forget your labor of love. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. How? In that you ministered to the saints, and not once you are still doing it. God can forget your service. Some of you, you don't have any usefulness in the church. Are you serious? You have to plan to exit that kind of state. Exit that uselessness. It's a serious thing, I'm telling you. You see, if a pastor is trying to pamper you so that you can keep it, he won't tell you these things. But if you choose to be offended, it's even better for us. But listen, you must be useful in God's hands. Because our bishop said, when you die, God will not go to ask you how good was your job. God will not going to ask you how much were you earning. God is going to ask you what did you do for my name in the church. With the health I gave you, with the money I gave you, with the strength I gave you, with the intelligence I gave you, and your so-called beauty, which you can't leave any, uh, you can't move away from any mirror. What did you do with it? You must have the humility of heart. Even if people have an attitude, stop that. Oh, people have told me, I, I sit down. Find something to do. Ignore the attitude because you don't report to them. You are going to answer to God. Going to answer to God. You must be able to do something. Because stop chasing God for give me, give me, give me, give me. Baby, give me one more time. Give me, give me one more time. No, stop that. Because if you have a heart, a heart for Bethel, the resources, the management is for Bethel. It will give it to you to do Bethel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very deep and very strong. You see why I didn't want to continue praying for? No, 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 no. This will save your life faster. Yes. In this household economy. Is someone getting me? This is essential. He, Jacob had a, an encounter. He saw God's house. He said, this is God's house. Then, and even what, he didn't see a structure. So what made him say this is God's house? And, and David took him. He said, I want to build God a house. God said, the guy has got it. He said, because of this, you are the only one whose dynasty will outlast any human being on earth. Now, even his physical dynasty, natural dynasty, outlasted all other dynasties ever. But that's not it. Jesus, is, the, is he not the king of kings? And is he not the son of David? So up to now, forever and ever, David will have someone from his seat on the throne. Why? Because he wanted to build God a house. That means he touched the depth of God. Because God has always had a plan about his house. So God looked at him and said, you got it. You got it. What is God's economy? I will say something you won't understand next week I'll explain it. <laughs> his, his eternal economy, his eternal plan is to dispense himself in Christ into us so that we will become his people, his house for the expression of God himself on earth. You see, I told you you won't understand it. I, I told you. <laughs> What's the plan of God? From eternity, his plan is to dispense himself in Christ into us. So it starts with Christ in you, then God is dispensing himself into us as a corporate people. 
that we, being his special chosen people, will become his house. The house of God is not a building. Next week, I'll go into how the stone Jacob anointed, and he anointed the stone. Look at verse 22, verse 22, verse 22, verse 22. Is it verse 21? Uh, and this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. God's house is built with stones. And I'll show you how the stones, the stone of Jacob has two ways. Okay, it's in, it's, 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 it's reflected in the scriptures in two ways. Jesus, he being the foundation stone, he being the cornerstone, and me being the capstone. <laughs> you know what a capstone is? It's like a roof, you cap everything. The foundation stone, Jesus. No other, First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. No other foundation, no, uh, uh, other foundation can no man lay than that one which is Christ. He's the foundation stone. And guess what? He is the chief cornerstone. According to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, he's the chief cornerstone holding the Gentiles and the Jews together in oneness. And guess what? In, in, uh, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7, he is the capstone. And so in Isaiah chapter 68, verse, um, I think verse 16 or verse 18, sorry, sorry, 66, Isaiah 66, verse 16 or verse 18, it says that the, the stone which the builders rejected, that's talking about Christ, has become the chief cornerstone. In, in Acts chapter 4, verse 10, 11, and 12, I think we would like to read that. I'm talking about Jesus, the stone. Acts chapter 10, verse 11, let it be known to you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who you crucify, who God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you hold. Verse 11, see, this is the Amashakababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababab
you can add it in your title somewhere. Pastor Kobe Asari Livingston. Hallelujah. I am a living stone. I am a living stone. I am a living stone. That has been the economy of God. Watch this. You can't build the house of God with anything but by the living stones. And so Jacob had only one stone. He took the stone, set it in place, and he said, he anointed, he said, this is none other, but this is the house. He pointed to the stone. In Genesis 28, verse 22, he said, this is the house of God. And we learned in New Testament that the house of God is a church. What is the economy of God? The economy of God is his eternal program to work himself, dispense himself, issue out himself. I went so far, I didn't even get to tell you about how Paul says that the stewardship was given to me. This stewardship was given to me. Some translations use a commission. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, he said, This stewardship was given to me. The stewardship of dispensing of God's grace, God's economy, this calling. You know, he said, For of which I became a minister according to the according to the stewardship of God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. I was made a minister. I was made a steward. Minister according to the stewardship that was given to me. I am supposed to be dispensing something for you. That's why he said, whoa, it's me. Okay, yeah, so that the word of God will be fulfilled. That's why he said, whoa, it's me. If I preach not the gospel, First Corinthians, um, can I quote this last one and end? First Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 16. I'm going to verse 17. Next week I'll pick it up from the house of God because it's too much I have to say about the house of God. So you, should, you will know that from eternity, the thing is a house. That's why Jesus said, in my father's house in my father's house. Jesus himself, he came as the tabernacle. And then, so when he said, what authority should you give us? He said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it. And he was talking about his body. He was the temple of God when he was walking amongst us. But when he died and went, we, the church, have now become the, so in 1 Corinthians chapter, six verse six, chapter 3 verse 16, he said, don't you know that ye are the temple of the God and the spirit of God dwells in you? And then he spoke about how you should be careful what you build with. Yeah. Precious stones. And in Revelation, this, hey, I, 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 this, I can't postpone things the way I should. But I told you I was quoting, I was quoting the last scripture. Which one was it? First Corinthians. Did I say first Corinthians? Yes, I'm coming to that one. But before I do that, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, 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 mm, no, verse 22, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. Uh, Sister Jacina. Do you know what Ephesians 2 22 says? It says that there are a house that grows. A building that it says that in whom you also are built together as a habitation of God through the Spirit. Go, go to verse 21. Let's start from verse 21. Let me show you something. In whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. Go to the next verse. Give me New King James. I prefer New King James. In whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God. In the spirit. We are, being, we are the dwelling place of God. We, we, God lives in us. That's always been the plan of God. 
He's not interested in just living in heaven. He created us so he can live in us, amongst us. That's why Jesus came to die. That's why Jesus said, I'll build my church. The church is a building for God. It's a house of God. And now, so when God is in, that's the need for the household administration. We are a big family and God is dispensing his grace and showing who does what, what grace comes through this one. And all kinds of things happened because, but you must start living the church life. You have stayed two months, two, you have stayed away, too, too far away from Bethel. You are born again, but you don't live in Bethel. You live in Shechem. Let me finish my text about stewardship. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9, verse 16, Maba, Gade, Shaga, Lebel, Mega, Raga. Now I know some people will not forgive me because now the time is fast spent. It's not good at all. Would you forgive me? Yes. Verse 16, he says that woe to me if I preach not the gospel. You singing in the choir thing, you are doing as a favor. No way! You are Asha, and then everything you are trying to hold that to ransom. I'm trying, and they are not even appreciating. We won't appreciate you. Can stop. Jesus said, those who do it for men to see and reward, they have had their reward already. But if you do it for God to see, men may not reward, but God, my father who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Thank you, Lord. Huh? Is that for if I preach the gospel like Pastor David is doing, I have nothing to boast of. Who, who do you think I what do I think I am? To boast and see the way I'm preaching. No, no, drop it. Anything you do, playing instruments, uh, you should be paid for playing instruments. You are, you are an, uh, an offense to, to redemption. He didn't even ask you to pay anything to save you. And you, to play a role as a pillar in his house, you say he should pay you. He said, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid on me. Yes, war is me if I don't do it. Woe, woe is me. If I fail to preach the gospel because God has given me a stewardship. <sighs> Look at verse 7. Look at the next verse. It is scary. He says, for if I do it willingly, I have a reward. That's when God rewards you when you do it well, willingly. But if I do it against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. Wow. Economy. Mm. I have been entrusted. God actually entrusted it into my hands. Now do it. I don't have, if I don't do it, who is me? If I do it willingly, he reward me with a good wife, with healthy children, with a good job, financial peace, good health. God rewards you as you fulfill your part of the church life. <laughs> you see, there are things in the Bible. So those people who know the Bible culture, they, 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 are, they have not started. I don't waste my energy. I can't prove it to you, and I'm not interested. You can choose not to believe. Go. Yes, yes, yes. Doesn't spoil anything. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't discredit the Bible. You are too insignificant mm. to put to question the deity of God. Mm. Yeah. So I don't really, it's not part of my calling to be trying to explain people, you know, just believe, you know, you know I, I don't have time for that. I am a, like a John the Baptist. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. <laughs> oh, okay, I have to end. My pastor always reminding me of my time. So, the economy of God is for him to work himself in Christ into 
human beings, chosen human beings that will become his church, his house, the body of Christ for, his, for the full expression of God on earth. So it's not about us, it's about him, but we benefit. That's the economy of God. It's too strong for some of us. But I know one day you grow, so at least it's, 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 it's waiting for your growth. Yeah, Amen. <laughs> Did you receive something at all? Yeah. Well, would you put your hands together for the Lord Jesus? Hallelujah. 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 So you understand why I have to stop prophesying so I can preach? Because God is looking for people to live in Bethel. Because that's always been his plan. Not to bless you. Your blessing is waiting for you in Bethel. There's somebody here, I want to pray for some, a group of people. Please bow your heads with me. I want to go pray for a group of people here. You want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to start a new work with Jesus. I want to start a new work with Jesus. Pastor, pray with me. I know I'm a sinner, and, but I know God is calling me. I know it. I can't pretend about it. I'll be a hypocrite if I pretend. I know deep in my heart this is the time. And I'm willing. I'm willing to obey God. I'm willing to open my heart. I'm willing to let him come into my heart and have his way. So I'll be a pillar in his house. Pastor, pray with me. If that's your genuine prayer, please slip up your right hand so I can see it and pray with you. God is going to start a new work in your life. You are destined for this moment. Your life will never be the same again. Amen. Lift up your two hands as a sign of surrenderance. And please say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I've sinned against you. But I believe you died on the cross to save me. I invite you to my heart. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. Wash me with your blood, and from today onwards, I make you my Lord and my Savior. I will obey you, I will serve you, I will walk with you. Thank you for what you have done for me, in Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you so much for my sister. Thank you for the fact that she heard your voice, she has taken this step. I pray, make her a pillar in your house. I pray that let grace be dispensed into her, that she become a major influence of what you are doing in the life of others. I bless you and I rebuke the enemy on your behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.